Coach Taku. Making anime your new life coach. Greetings, my comrades, my Coach Taku listeners. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another episode. And I've got to say, this is probably, in the history of Coach Taku, I don't know if there is an episode that we have preemptively talked about having more than this one, Uh, you know, partially due to the COVID crisis impacting when this could finally be brought to North American theaters, partially because of the question of would it ever happen. Uh, partially because of the hype that this series first season blew up Twitter with. Um, But of course, I am talking about Demon Slayer Mugen Train, which for anyone who doesn't realize what I'm talking about, Demon Slayer took a really cool twist. I don't think I've seen another series do this before, where they decided to animate their entire second season as a full-length featured film. And when I say that people liked it, that's probably the understatement of the century because it is, in fact, at the time of recording, officially broken the record, beaten Spirited Away and any other animated film for highest grossing animated movie, which is pretty incredible in itself. And all the other good things that make this movie so incredible that we're going to talk about today leads me to wanting to offer a very clear spoiler warning. If you have not yet seen Demon Slayer and Mugen Train, if you are a la 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 la, don't tell me anything, please pause the episode. It'll be back here after you get a chance to see the movie. Um, And before we get into how we're going to tie this up with coaching, you know, we've hyped up this moment of getting to see it for so long that we're actually going to get started with just some of our initial thoughts, feelings, and body sensations to finally catching this on the big screen. So Mary, what did you think? Did it live up to the hype? Okay. So I actually read the manga. So I knew exactly what was going to happen. So I was well prepared, but I have to tell you that it's something different actually experiencing it live and visually than it was reading it. And even though I knew what was going to happen, it was still super heart-wrenching because it's just like, you remember those moments and you're like, how could this happen like this? You know, and I I know we're going to talk about it later, so I don't want to start out the episode this way, but I love the visualization of it. I think it was actually really well done and it felt like it was two movies in one. Like I felt like the first part was all about the train sequence and then you have the last part of the movie, which takes on a totally different twist and turn. And that I felt like was a separate storyline altogether. Yeah, well, this is fun because you get two people's perspectives here. I have dutifully not read the manga for Demon Slayer. It's been nice to be surprised (laughs) for once. Um, With that being said, you know, as I mentioned before, I can't recall another anime series that I've watched where the movies are canon. Like they're actually interwoven into the plot of the series itself. 
And I think some of what really worked about that was it allowed me to remember what I loved about the first season so much and also start to plan ahead for what I'm going to love about the third season. And this is my hot take to be super transparent about all of it. If the movie had just been the last 25 minutes, I would have been satisfied. (laughs) Like, I don't actually know if I needed the lower demon rank to take up as much time as they did. Uh, and if they had instead just given me an hour of Rengoku being the MVP, I could have lived with that. <laughs> I think those are some of my high level takes. And overall, I'm just, I'm really excited for UFO Table. I'm really excited for the mangaka getting to watch her creations get animated in this way and be held with such reverence by a global community. And yeah, those are some of my final thoughts. Should we talk coaching now, Mary? I guess we must, Christina. <laughs> and then, so we all know what the synopsis of Demon Slayer is, but if you, and I hope that you've already know the storyline if you're listening to this, but to sum it up, it's about this boy who is trying to cure his sister from being a zombie, effectively. and. In that process, he turns into a master swordsman to fight other demons while he tries to find a cure. And he works with other demon slayers, <laughs> appropriately named, to um, kind of rid the world of this evil. And so this specific episode takes place on a train in which the lower demon is super powerful, but he's still one of the lower demons in the story. And the way that he kind of works is that he makes people dream. And so in that process, he puts the whole train to sleep as he like ramps up his power and as he's trying to effectively kill all the demon slayers in their own dreams. Anything to add to that, Christina? Um, I think the only other thing to add is some things to note about the film is you've got your reoccurring Mary cast. You've got uh, Tanjiro, Inosuke, Zenitsu, who are all, uh, you know, newbies at the Demon Slaying game. And then you have uh, Rengoku on board. And what's important to note about Rengoku is he is a Hashira or a pillar. So he is considered among the most powerful in the demon slaying corpse. And I think why it's useful to kind of like set the stage of who these people are is so much of this movie to me was about both realizing your own potential and at times rising to your potential, even if it seems like the person you're fighting is way more powerful than you are. Um, And with that in mind, the coaching conversation that we wanted to bring to this movie is one that we've had before. If you've listened to our Inuyasha episode, then you'll be somewhat familiar with us talking about grit in coaching. But just as a quick recap and reminder, when we use the word grit, we're not talking about gravel or dirt on the ground. We're actually talking about someone's resiliency. You know, that secret ingredient that most of us as coaches assert that you need to have to push through the discomfort, the circumstances, the things that go wrong as we're on the way to achieving any goal that we have. And so part of what makes this movie such a great landscape to talk about grit is because you have 
these beautiful insights into these main characters' souls because of the dream state that they're sucked into. And you also get to see their grit and resiliency in the face of actual battle. So I think that's enough exposition for one day. Mary, who do we start with? There are no wrong choices, but who who gets the spotlight first? Let's start with our protagonist, Christina. Let's start with Tanjiro, because I think he's a nice intro to the rest of the characters. And talk about grit. I mean, just following Tanjiro's journey from where he started, where he was so hesitant to be able to kill a demon um, to the point where he's now a demon slayer and on this train, um, you can see like the resiliency that he's had to have to even get to this train, to get to this point in, at, at, in time. And you see his resolve time and time again throughout the first season. And what's really special about the movie, I think, is because we do see that subconscious part of him where he goes into the dream and you see him with his family. And you know that he can stay in this dream forever. Just being in that moment where his whole family is there whole and complete and everything works out. But then there's a part of him that just can't let go of the bigger picture and can't let go of his sister. And what it means like what it would mean like if he were to abandon her into the dream state. So that you find his resolve to one, get out of the dream. And two, like then take have the courage to actually um, do what it takes to wake himself up, which in the dream world means killing himself. So talk about grit, Christina. Like imagine what it would take to actually like put a sword to your neck and say, okay, I'm just gonna kill myself because that's the only way out of this. And you say that not knowing if it's gonna actually work, but knowing that this is the only option that you've left. Yeah, talk about, like, I just got to give it up for this, the concept of that, because it's horrifying. And as you watch the movie, there's even a point where this, after Tanjiro wakes up, the demon is making a continuous effort to send him back into the dreamscape. And at first, the demon thinks, like, why is my magic not working on him? And what you realize is that it's not that it's not working, but that in the split second that Tanjiro awakens in the dreamscape, he willingly chooses to slit his own throat to wake up again. And so he is repeated, like, it's not badass enough or gritty enough that he did it once. (laughs) He then goes on to accept doing it over and over and over again. And to your point, Mary, he's willing to take on that pain and that horror and that fear because he has chosen that his commitment to being a demon slayer and protecting his friends and his commitment to curing Nezuko is more valuable to him than the fears that he has or more valuable to him than living in the fantasy of getting to have his family whole again. But then on the flip side, the other reason why I wanted to talk about Tanjiro is he does very much represent that story of grit and like truly how grit comes from his heart. And if you like that concept, I actually want to give a shout out. I think the third episode we ever recorded featured Demon Slayer and we were specifically comparing Tanjiro to Kenshin and we're running Kenshin. And so if you want us to really like pick apart Tanjiro as a character in season one, go back and listen to that because it's a super fun episode. 
Um, but for this movie, Tantana, I think, also really represents the human experience of grit because it sounds like a nice concept, right? Like, yeah, I'm going to be and do whatever it takes. I'm going to be super resilient and I'm never going to let anything get me down. But that's not actually how life tends to go. Like, I don't know anyone who's 100% resilience on 365 days a year. Um, And if you are, congratulations, you're a superhuman. But I would assert that most of us, most of the time, do finally hit that block where we waver in our commitment. And, you know, to massive spoiler alert, to reach the conclusion of the film, which is Tanjiro Morning, the loss of Rengoku, you see this moment where he breaks down and it, like, it really hit me in the theater. By the way, there was shout out to whoever was sobbing when I went, like there was someone full-blown bawling. You could hear them and I really felt for them in this moment. <laughs> but you know, the emotions on screen and off screen is because Tantoro self-identifies how challenging it is, how Every step he takes where he finally feels like he's gotten stronger, he looks up and there's an even taller wall to climb. And he looks ahead of the wall and so many people are already so far beyond the level that he's at. And that there's a level of resignation that comes with that realization. And so I think one of the really valuable lessons to underscore here is Any task that you're up to that is big enough and bold enough, like saving the world and curing your sister from being a demon, will inevitably result in a breakdown moment for you. And I think what makes the difference for Tanjiro and what I know we've spoken about a couple of times now on the podcast, Mary, is so much of what makes a difference for him is still having the people around him that will believe in the cause even when he's doubting it. So when you have this moment of Inosuke kind of like shaking him and being like, hey, all you could do from here is get up and keep going. Like, it's like, yeah, that's his community. Those are the people that are like, hey, it's okay that you don't got the grit today, but I fucking do. So let's fucking go. Can we just talk about that moment with Inosuke? And you see how pain he is. You see the tears coming out of the mask. But he's like, no, we're going to do this. We're going to keep going. And that's exactly what you need in that moment. You need the people who, yes, they're in pain and they feel your pain and they empathize, but they still are willing to move forward and go forward and bring you with them because that's what a team does. And so that was one, I was like, oh, Inosuke, you're like a little bore, but I love you anyway. And talking of Inosuke, I think that's a good segue to talk about his story and in this whole experience. But I think what was really fun about him and his subconscious is that you see how it's a cave <laughs> and all the characters are his minions. So Tanjiro's minion one, and then you have minion two with Senetsu, and then you have Nezuko as minion three, I think. And um, I think where Grit comes in with Inosuke is that he's probably Grit most of the time. There's very few scenes, very few few moments when I can think that he's not in Grit. I mean, he's like, rah, 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 I'm the powerful one. I'm leader. We're going to keep going. And it's awesome. In a sense, but it also, I think the um, limitation for him is that because of that rah, 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 sometimes he's not fully connected to his heart or to others. 
And that can actually stop him from being a little bit more powerful, being a little bit stronger, because he doesn't have that 360 viewpoint that Tanjiro has. And I think that he's starting to understand that. But the way that it does work in his favor is, for example, in that scene where you have all these eyes coming towards him and he's like, I don't care. Like, I'm just going to keep going. And he's actually the one who stands with Tanjiro and is able to get him through that moment. Yeah. And, you know, additionally, Mary, the other the other opportunity that was just really cool for me that I want to highlight in this film of Inosuke, like really owning his power and having that grit is when this lower rank demon realizes that Tanjiro and Inosuke will just keep waking themselves up by committing suicide in the dream, he attempts to trick them by not actually putting them to sleep. And you see Tanjiro about to slit his throat in reality, and it's actually Inosuke who is so on the ball and so in touch with that gritty primal instinct that he has he's willing to just be like no dude don't get tricked by this like this is a trap and you're bigger than that and let's slay this thing uh but on the flip side if Inosuke sometimes spends a little too much time in grit then you've got (laughs) then you've got Zenitsu who is probably the most problematic person to introduce into this grit conversation because he doesn't have a lot of bandwidth for it. You know, Zenitsu is one of those characters, we didn't talk about him much the last time we covered Demon Slayer, but you don't really know whether you love him or you hate him. (laughs) There's just, there's a level of immaturity in it and wacky integrity that, that impacts kind of getting a gauge of where his moral compass lies. But he's, he's an interesting character to, to, chat about when it comes to grit because he tends to lean more on the being super connected and being super heartfelt but being a little bit of a wimp at the same time uh mary just private chatted me that he's actually her favorite mary you want to share where he fits into the grit conversation here's what i got for you christina Like, I know he's goofy and all of that, but he's actually really powerful when he's not trying. I think what gets in Zenitsu's way is just himself and his fear. Putting the fear aside and really focusing on the people that he loves, you know, especially like Nezuko, he becomes this like superhuman being. And I think where we see his grit is especially that in like protecting the people that he cares about and protecting himself because where I saw grit for him was in his dream where the the human person actually found his his divine essence and was about to like cut it off but then here he comes in this like goofy ghostly form and he's like what are you doing why are you here the only person that's allowed here is Nezuko so he actually has this like super inner strength that protects him super well and protects the people around him really well. Because what we know about Zenitsu is that even though he shows up a certain way, like he is always actually there to protect his friends and himself in those moments that really count. Yeah. And, you know, I think to that end, he and Inosuke are great foils to each other because Inosuke kind of goes grit first and then remembers human connection later. Whereas Zenitsu goes human connection first and then 
occasionally is unconscious enough to remember grit later. <laughs> but I digress because it would be, I think, a podcast crime to wrap up this episode without chatting about truly the MVP of this movie, who is Rengoku. Um, and so, you know, tying in this grit conversation. This dude has so much grit and resilience that his heart space, his subconscious is literally depicted as a fiery inferno. <laughs> like, it's kind of, what a perfect way to sum up a character. Oh, if you dove into his heart, you would just be met with a pit of fire. And there's so much that I want to reflect on about Rengoku as a character. And so, you know, if you want us to dive into his family relationships more, please let us know, because we could probably do it on the live. Um, but to me, Rengoku represents having resilience for a vision that will actually outlive him. You know, we've been talking about the bigger picture, and I think Rengoku's sacrifice at the end of the film really paints that picture of holding something that's bigger than you. Um, and to me, Rengoku really epitomizes what it means to be a leader, because you see as he's fighting this higher ranked demon, Akaza, that it reaches a point where Rengoku realizes he will inevitably die. He's weak. He's injured. At some point, he has a hole through his chest. And in that moment, there's never a, all right, I'm just going to stop or I'm just going to die. or I'm just going to accept this demon's offer to also become a demon. But instead, even realizing that he likely won't survive the battle due to his wounds, he still makes an effort to trap Akaza with him to hopefully kill this demon as the sun is rising. And so, in other words, he actually uses what's left of his life to still see the vision through, still see the vision of ending demons through, even if he won't get to be alive to reap the reward of that. Now, Christina, and as I was thinking about the topic that we are bringing today and just Rengoku and the whole story, I started thinking about our one of our last episodes and when we talked about Madoka Magica and how all these girls were sacrificing their lives. And I was like, well, what's the difference between these girls sacrificing their lives and then Rengoku or the Demon Slayers kind of doing the same thing? And the difference is like where he's coming from. Because for Rengoku, this is actually an empowered choice. You know, he, you see that scene with his mother and where his mother tells him, live your life to protect others. And he takes that to heart. Like that's actually what his mission in life is. That's his life purpose. And this is the way that he knows how to show that. Because what we know about him is that he has so much physical strength. So it's kind of like he lived the vision and the path that he wanted. And then it's even like more telling when, you know, as he's dying, he tells Tanjiro, tell my brother to choose the life that he loves, like the path that he loves. And that's, you know, I was like, yeah, because that's what he did. And that's the difference in all of this. And also that's the difference between, I think, when you talk about demon slayers and the demons themselves, right? The demons can regenerate and they'll live for a really long time, but demon slayers have risked everything for a cause, for a bigger picture, for something that for them is worth putting their life on the line every day. Yeah. And to your point, Mary, it's, it's actually what like creates the stakes for demon slayers. 
You know, Akaza, something that's so interesting about the way that he's taunting Rengoku is for Akaza, it occurs like when he was still a human, he may have been a martial artist and that he chose the path of becoming a demon to get to hone his craft for the rest of his life. And while that is morally complex and fascinating to investigate, so let us know if you'd like us to, um, there isn't a lot of pressure to succeed. Like Akaza has all the time in the world to be the best martial artist he can be. Whereas Rengoku or Tanjiro or any of the demon slayers, the best that they can be is a moment to moment choice and their lives are at risk every single time they're not. And so it also dawned on me that, you know, you need a commitment to have grit, but you also need to have stakes. Like in some ways, grit manifests itself in the face of failure being possible. And I think it's why, even though Rengoku, unfortunately, passes before he's able to defeat Akaza. I'm looking forward to the third season because I want to see the ripple effect that that has across the demons that he got as close as he did. Yeah, but before we wrap up the Rengoku conversation, I just have to say, Christina, I don't know about you, but I mean, we've only met this character, what, in one other episode, maybe? And then here he comes and we are so emotionally invested in him in this, this one, you know, this one movie. And I think it's a testament of how he lives his life and who he is and how he is being, like living his truth. And that's also, I think, part of why grit is like so important because he's actually living that. He's actually taking, choosing that path intentionally and living it. Rip. <laughs> Gone too soon. Um yeah, I got to say that Lisa song uh, being the end credits felt very correct. <laughs> Seemed like a very fair, fair choice to wrap up the movie. Um, so just like the movie wrapped, we're getting ready to wrap up this episode. A couple of final thoughts. First of all, again, as a reminder, if you love Demon Slayer content, go back and listen to our third episode ever when we compare Tanjiro from Demon Slayer to Kenshin from Rurouni Kenshin. If you like the grit conversation, feel free to go back and check out our Inuyasha episode because uh, that was a really fun one. And we actually get to talk about grit more so through the lens of relationships with other people. So it gets to be a bit of a spin. Don't forget that if you want to debrief on all of our other thoughts and feelings on the Demon Slayer movie to join us during our Instagram live, we go live every Friday the evening after we drop our episodes right around 6 p.m. Eastern Standard, and we'd love to have you. And uh, I think that's it. Any other announcements, Mary? If you like the episode, please let us know if you have any recommendations for other animes you'd like us to cover. Also let us know. And if you're listening on iTunes, like an Apple Podcasts, then would love if you could leave us a review. It helps other listeners find us. And that's all I got, Christina. All right. Well, in that case, thank you all so much for your love and support and for tuning into this episode. And we can't wait to catch you in the next one. Bye-bye. You're subscribing so you never miss a new episode. Have an idea for an episode or show you'd love us to discuss? DM us on our Insta, CoachTakuPod, C-O-H-C-H-T-A-C-U-P-O-D, or email us at CoachTakuPod at gmail.com. Love your wonderful host. In that case, you can follow me, Christina, at HereXTinaRoar on Instagram. And you can follow Mary at Mary, M-E-R-Y, 
www.thenerdycoach. Thanks so much. Catch you in the next one.